today on Ag News Daily. Um, you know, I think this is just a really great way for farmers to be able to try B11 if they haven't tried it already or even to bump up to B20. Listeners, last episode of the week due to Good Friday. Today is April 6th, Thursday edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast. Tanner and Delaney here to hit some quick headlines for you this morning. Ready to roll, Delaney? I certainly am, Tanner. Where should we kick things off? Let's do ethanol first. According to the ethanol or the Energy Information Administration, ethanol production was above a million barrels a day this week. Again, second straight week in a row. The Midwest was by far the largest producing region, which is no uh, shock as far as that goes. Ethanol stockpiles in the seven days ending March 31st fell to 25.136 million barrels. That's down from 25.527. This is the lowest level in the last five weeks. And of course, Delaney, that comes right along the news too with crude prices struggling to keep up with what they thought was going to be a huge opening rally to a week of strong markets. We continue to see data pull in as the U.S. is looking at hiring private sector individuals, um, continuing to see growth in jobs reports. U.S. crude stockpiles are continuing to fall. The second week in a row, those announcements came out uh, stating that there have been large drawdowns in gasoline and distillates out of our inventories, especially those within our borders at domestic refiners. So it's interesting there to see where we've got crude balances have now fallen to a shortage of nearly 3.73 million barrels per week, ending that week of March 31st. So it'll be interesting to see what that does for prices as we continue to have surpluses and stockpiles decline. Well, Tanner, in other renewable fuel-related news, farmers are expecting a revenue payoff from the growth we're going to see in the renewable diesel industry. According to the latest Ag Economy Barometer put together by Purdue University that was released on Tuesday, they shared that farmers are more bullish about the chances of expansion of renewable diesel in the industry rather than ethanol. According to the telephone survey, nine out of 10 farmers expect higher soybean prices at the farm gate as more renewable diesel fuel reaches the market. About 46% of farmers said they believed the renewable industry would be larger five years than it is now. And a quarter of those said they believed the ethanol industry would be larger, while 55% said they expected ethanol to be about the same in five years. However, like I said, a lion's share of farmers interviewed said that larger production of renewable diesel, they believe, will boost soybean prices, Tanner. And two-thirds of them said they believed it would increase soybean prices by as much as a dollar per bushel. And, and others said anywhere from a dollar to two dollars per bushel. So that certainly would be, if realized, a huge, um, huge support for soybean prices. Yeah, it would. Uh, another market that is seeing huge support in 2023, that is the cash cattle market. Since 2023 began, it's been on an upward trajectory, but for the week ending April 1st was the first time that packer margins were printed in the red since September of 2017. Uh, average cattle feed margins reached $258 per head last week. That was $63 a head 
higher beef packer margins printed a $2 per head loss, which was a $36 drop from the previous week. So we'll continue to keep an eye on those side of things. Cattle sold last week carried a total feed cost of $599 a head, 28% higher than the cattle that were sold the same week one year ago. Fair to finish hog producers are still seeing losses, $15 a head last week. That's $4 more than the previous week. Pork producers saw profits of $72 per head the same week a year ago. So definitely a flip-flop on the hog market compared to where cattle is sitting. Lean carcass prices averaged $77.45 per hundredweight. That's down $1.99 from the previous week. Pork packers are finding losses about $4 a head, which is $1 more than the week before. And last year, pork packers were seeing losses about $15 a head. So it looks like almost an inverse relationship right now, Delaney, between the cattle market and the pork market. Well, Tanner, I have a little bit of an inside scoop, I guess you could say, on the soy dollar story. Talked to an Argentinian farmer, got some inside scoop from him about this new soy dollar. And honestly, based on what he shared, it sounds a little bit like a farce, Tanner. Uh, Based on what he was explaining, it sounds like now the trader gets to step in and make a margin as well. And the farmer really isn't the one that's going to be benefiting from this soy dollar. As we know, the current exchange, official exchange rate of the peso is about $210. And no one really knows what the new exchange rate will be for the soy dollar. But according to this Argentinian farmer that I was talking to yesterday, he says it's not going to be much higher than $210. Uh, or 210 pesos per dollar. He's thinking like maybe 220 at most. So it's not really going to be a huge increase in the exchange rate of the quote unquote soy dollar compared to the regular dollar. And all in all, he said he thinks it just adds more fingers into the pie and doesn't really do anything for producers and is just really kind of a gimmick to see how it does in the world market. That's just his take, his opinion, but it'll be interesting to see how this thing actually rolls out. And if we do start to hear official on the record comments from producers and traders about this new soy dollar. Yeah, I'm glad that you had the inside scoop there to give us a little bit more information. Unfortunately, those folks that are inside Calera are possibly scrambling right now. Uh, Calera is a vertical farming company out of Orlando, Florida, and they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy on April 4th. The U.S. Bankruptcy Court has stated within the Southern District of Texas that the public limited company known on the NASDAQ as Cal, K-A-L, has issued this release. They are now going to operate their business as debitor in possession, which means they will be working under the jurisdiction of the bankruptcy court. And according to bankruptcy code, as they finish out their final days, their CEO and president, Jim Layton, his employment has ended effective March 29th. He also resigned from the company's board of directors. The bank in the lending side of things is the lead lender for this transaction issued another $5.1 million of debitor in possession financing. That will help Calera meet its needs as far as business operation goes, rather than just shutting their doors down. The law firm of Baker and Hostetler will be the ones that will advise Calera during this process. But it mainly came from an ongoing review and an annual report that came out at the end of December 
that finances were not liquid. So you're looking at a loan originally that came from Farm Credit of Central Florida. Uh, they now carry revolving loans up to 10 million or a little over $10 million and term loans with principal more than 20 million. So the debt now outstanding delaying to be settled during this bankruptcy, bankruptcy period is gonna be greater than $35 million. So we'll continue to watch this. However, what is quite interesting is Farm Credit, as of March 17th, sold its interest in this obligation to Santin Credit Solutions, Master Fund 5. So Farm Credit will not be the collecting bank on this as they have transferred their loan assets to a debt collection company and off of their books. So you would assume that there was a settlement there and a potential loss, but we'll continue to keep an eye on this as they have announced more than 200 separate creditors during this chapter 11 bankruptcy petition. That's interesting, Tanner, because don't you basically get on a list with all the other people that are trying to get their money back? Yes. If you are not first position financing and secured by collateral, you get put into a list by date of debt and you have to prove up when that happened as far as pecking order goes. But even then, date of debt ne doesn't necessarily guarantee that you will get ahead of somebody behind you if the court rules that uh, someone could jump in front of you. So it's uh, a lot to be determined for those 200 different companies. But ultimately, when you get to a point like this to where assets may be minimal, you end up writing that debt off as a bad debt. Mm. Interesting. Well, switching tracks here just a little bit, got a quick update on the Russian-Ukraine grain corridor situation as roughly 90 ships remain in queue waiting to pass through the grain corridor to either pick up grain from Ukraine or depart loaded for their final destination. That is down from last week from the peak, which was at 150 ships, I believe, maybe a month or two ago. So we have seen the reflection of some improvement in the movement of ships, but substantial delays still remain, Tanner, sometimes up to a month or more where those ships are just sitting idle, waiting to go through. Ukraine noted that 10 ships are scheduled to move through the corridor each day, but Russia only expects inspects about five to six ships, which is up from previous numbers, which were at about two to three ships previously, but still well below where they are supposed to be for daily inspections. So we're starting to see things tick up a little bit, but just think about the substantial cost that would be incurred there to either the shipper or the buyer if a cargo ship is just sitting idle for a month. Yeah, it just makes you wonder, is there one person that's inspecting ships or uh -huh. is the ship inspection job a lot bigger than I would assume it would be? I would be curious to know that answer as well. Well, last little piece I've got here is a report coming out of the American Gas Association stating that they did a research study on natural gas usage by United States Agriculture, shows how important natural gas is to the ag industry. It's true that a lot of the Midwestern states are very dependent upon this product. When you look at the chart, uh, the states darker in color, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Kentucky, as well as Idaho, lead and round out the top 10 there. Just five of the agriculture subsectors consume 2 trillion 
cubic feet of natural gas. That is nearly the equivalent of the total consumption of the entire state of California. So uh, when you look at agriculture, there is a very strong demand there. Also stated in the study, the U.S. ag sector supports 17.2 million jobs and 1.75 trillion of the United States GDP. And obviously, a large support of that sector is dependent upon having access to natural gas. And uh, you then throw in the other part of the equation where you produce fertilizers and other ag chemicals from the product and you get even larger impact. So the study here has plenty of other statistics and data in it. Quite an interesting one on DTN right now, uh, thanks to Russ Quinn. But fascinating to see the impact that the Natural Gas and Gas Association has on the Midwest and the U.S., Delaney. Tanner, one other thing that could impact the U.S. is relations with China. As Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen is scheduled in California yesterday on her return trip from Central America. And as we know, China has vowed a very strong response, they said, if McCarthy wants to meet with Taiwan's president. But the Biden administration says they're writing a new story on trade that emphasizes cooperation with their allies because they said countries such as China have abused open markets and low tariffs. They said it's clear after conversations with the Taiwanese president that they're headed in the right direction. But now the question, Tanner, becomes what is the aftermath effect here of this meeting? As China, we know, threatened to be very vocal and very upset if they did follow through on this meeting. So we don't know yet what China's response will be other than uh, probably maybe some potential discourse here. Yeah, that's right. And probably a headline will pick back up Monday since listeners, just a reminder, we are not uh, recording tomorrow on Friday, Good Friday, since markets are closed. But I think that means we have time here to get to markets today. We do, Tanner. And as we head into the opening session here, things are trading lower as we head into the holiday weekend. May corn down four cents at 648 and three quarters. New crop corn will open a penny and a half lower at 559 and a quarter. On the last trading session here, as we head into the opening November soybeans down six cents at 13.10. May hard red winter wheat is actually up in the overnights, nine cents at 8.70 and a half. And livestock will ring in here. May live cattle, excuse me, June live cattle, uh, seven and a half cents higher at $1.6030. May feeder cattle will open at 202.10. And April lean hog, excuse me, June lean hogs will open $1.20 lower at 88.37 and a half. Tanner, I know you've been uh, spearheading a lot of our interviews this week. Who are we wrapping up the final conversation with today? Uh, yes, had a conversation with Lisa, a little bit of a follow up on an article we reported earlier this week as it relates to that demand and uh, optimism around biodiesel. Let's get into that conversation now. So listeners, today we get to follow up on an article that we reported on earlier this week coming out of the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association. Proud to have Lisa Kaufelt here, the marketing director for the association, to join us and expand a little bit further. Welcome to the podcast, Lisa. Hey, thanks for having me. So let's first get to know you a little bit better. Let's talk a little bit about what your role is and what your connection to agriculture is. Sure. So my title is um, marketing director. So my responsibilities have to do with promotional activities for ethanol, biodiesel, some of our co-products um, just throughout the year. 
So as far as the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association goes, what's the basis of that association in general? So the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association represents ethanol, biodiesel plants, and renewable natural gas plants in Iowa. Um, we represent them at the Capitol with different um, legislation that's going on, and we also help them with promotional activities for ethanol biodiesel. That's great. And the article that we reported on is specific to the biodiesel side of this, and it states that there are some more credits available in a second year program, if I'm right. Could you expand on what that article was written about for so last year we launched the, the program in 2022 with $35,000. Um, this year we have $45,000. It's again a team effort with the Iowa Soybean Association, Western Iowa Energy, Western Dubuque Biodiesel, and Chevron Renewable Energy Group. All of us uh, pulled together some funds and we have $45,000 this year for the biodiesel credit program. Uh, farmers can earn 25 cents per gallon for filling up with B11 and they can earn 50 cents per gallon for filling up with B20. Um, and there's a maximum credit of $500 per farmer. And the reason this is back for another year, obviously, is the first year was successful, correct? It was really successful. We, we went through $35,000. We were able to get that out to about just shy of 100 farmers were able to participate. And what's your anticipation for participation? Excuse me, Chris, that's a tough word. What's your anticipation for involvement this year? Well, we're hoping that we launched it at a good time. You know, farmers are getting ready for planting this spring, and we're very hopeful that we can use all the 45,000 again this year, and hopefully um, more than um, more than 100 farmers. There are a couple different caveats this year. Um, if you have already received a credit for B11, you can now apply for a credit for B20. And if you did apply for a credit for B11 and you are still using B11, you are able to get a credit if you're willing to do a testimonial for biodiesel use and farm equipment. Oh, there you go. So that's a nice little additional uh, way to get the word spread around. And hopefully we're able to do that with our listeners today. But this isn't the only project that you guys have going on. Why don't you take some time here to share other ways that our listeners can participate in helping spread the news for biofuels? Yeah, we had a promotion uh, that last year will be starting back up again, but it's specifically about using biodiesel and farm equipment. Um, John Deere and Case IE. Case IH engines um, all approve the use of more than 90% of their models to use biodiesel in their engines. So that's another promotion that we're working on. That's great. And it's fun to see a lot of the headlines around, you know, biofuel use, especially across all industries. Of course, we know that it can be used in race cars in that industry. We know that there's discussions about aviation fuel that continues to put this in. How do you see the future of biofuels growing in general? Well, I think it's gonna definitely be a needed fuel. Um, there's lots of talk about electric vehicles and electric vehicles are great, but I think the timeline for them to become an everyday use around um, specifically Iowa, the infrastructure is just kind of not there for that. So we're gonna be using fuels uh, for a very, very long time. And biodiesel is a fantastic 
way to be able to use that in any diesel engines. It helps release, um, excuse me, it helps lower um, greenhouse gas emissions. It it lowers toxins in the air. And um, it, it's just a really good fuel that's a drop in for any biodiesel engine. So if we've got a listener that hasn't used a biodiesel product in the past, or maybe they're not aware that they might already be using it, what are some good resources for them to source the product or learn more about it? Well, they can reach out to me um, specifically. Um, my email is on our webpage, but it, it's lkoffelt at iowarfa.org or um, any of your local suppliers can help you as well. But if you're looking for um, a place where you can get that biodiesel and use it on your farm, just give me a call. And I assume too, that as a state association, you guys network with other states. Are there programs like this available for listeners outside of the state of Iowa? Yes, actually we um, duplicated the project from Nebraska. So for sure, Nebraska has a very, very similar I don't know that there'd be 11 and B20. I'm, I'm, I haven't checked in on it as far as 2023 program, but they did last year have a very similar program. That's good to hear. It's good to see that this is spreading throughout the U.S. But as we get ready to wrap up the conversation, did I miss anything that we should know or our listeners would find value in around the association in general? Um, you know, I think this is just a really great way for farmers to be able to try B11 if they haven't tried it already, or even to bump up to B20. It's a little uh, money in a farmer's pocket to just give that a chance and uh, um, hope they take us up on it. That's great. And one more time, let our listeners know how they can get a hold of you and how they can learn more about the association. Sure. It's Lisa Kaufelt. Uh, my email is L. C-O-F-F-E-L-T at iowarfa.org, or you can uh, reach us by phone at 515-252-6249. Awesome. This has been a pleasure, Lisa. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to share your story and the association Thank you. You know, I feel like that was really timely, especially because we just had that Purdue economy barometer that touched on this very topic. So it feels like something that's going to be a focal point here moving forward for agriculture. Absolutely. And it's exciting if it is successful again this year, it looks like it'll be another focus for them next year. So uh, thanks again also to our listeners for connecting us with interviews like that. Continue to share those with us, but enjoy your Easter weekend. And for today, what do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. (laughs) 